The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Media, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show, your own Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live in the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see two videos. The one on the left is Bradley's show from the previous day. <clears throat> you can click on that and play that up until 3 o'clock Eastern time, at which time it will go live. So he'll be live later on today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Also on the right side is where we're streaming live. You can catch us right there. Just click play and blow it up on whatever device you've got. And then click on the Rumble icon that will be in the bottom right-hand corner. Join us in there in the uh, chat. And uh, you can also see us on Before It's News, top of the page. 
Uh, you can see us on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, as well as Twitch at Setting Brushfires. And if you have a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV over there. And we appreciate those guys all carrying us. Additionally, if you'd like to sign up for our email newsletter, please do so. It's right up under where we're streaming live. Uh, just put it in there. You get one email from us a day. That's all the articles from me, Bradley, and our contributors. And then also, if you want to help donate and support the Sons of Liberty, not just on the Internet, not just on radio, but out among the people, um, pushing forward our Christian and constitutional heritage, which many people are ignorant of. They're ignorant of our history, and this is part of that ignorance is why we're being trampled upon. Um, we need to learn the old paths, not move into a new world order, as the Bible says. So if you want to help support us in that, there's a donate button there. And uh, click on it, make a one-time donation, or partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty. These are our monthly partners. And uh, we're also, our store is available, top of the page there. Um, I don't have with me the specific thing that we are putting uh you know, on special this week, but I will have that in the archive. So you guys will be able to check it out. You'll see the discount you get. And if you want to get that first, like on Saturday, sign up for the email that comes out once a week on sons of Liberty radio.com. So be sure to do that. Now today we got a special guest. Now on Thursday, we had Bart Sabrell in and uh, the moon man. And he, I got to tell you, he's a fascinating guy. He really is. He's a bold guy. He's got a lot of courage to go and call out the astronauts on the fake moon landing. Uh, He's done his homework. Uh, Whatever he puts out, he's got something to back it up. Documents, photos, video, whatever the case may be. And uh, like I say, he's very interesting. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to -to back-to-back that show with this one. Because you guys uh, enjoyed when uh, Dr. Michael Roth was on, and he was speaking to the issue of detoxification of graphene and graphene oxide and, and things of this nature. And he has a product that actually works to help do that. And uh, we got talking and I said, yeah, I'm going to have Bart on. We're going to be talking about the moon landing. He goes, oh, that's interesting. He said, I studied that a long time ago. And I've got all kinds of information and stuff. I said, well, why don't we see if we could set you guys up back to back? So we're not back to back exactly, but close enough. And uh, Dr. Michael uh, is joining me this morning. And it's good to see you again, man. Welcome back to the Sons of Liberty. Yeah, great to see you too. Thanks again for having me on. I I missed being here, and uh, I guess it's been a couple of months now. But uh, this is a this is a topic that's uh, kind of dear to my heart, just because uh, you know, like most kids, I was fascinated by the space program, and I stayed up when I was uh, I guess I was eleven, uh, and I watched the moon landing live. I actually had a little tape recorder that I put in front of the TV. And I recorded Neil Armstrong's first words. Um, I also collected photographs by winning contests in a local paper. And I collected newspapers from the event. And I still have them 53 years later. I'm never getting rid of those. So um, following up on that, I I just wanted to say that uh, we, we can have some fun with this. But it is a serious topic because it shows the lengths that our leaders, our government will go to to lie and deceive for money and power. That's the gist of it. And I think that's what you talked a lot about with BART. Um, Our government, unfortunately, is very self-serving. Don't let anybody tell you differently. It's uh, as sinners, it's our natural bent and inclination. And until a person has a true heart change, uh, a soul saving experience, they will be primarily interested only in themselves. God has to perform a miracle of salvation 
in order for a person to die to himself or herself and live for others. So that being said, uh, there's that that was kind of the intro into what I consider to be the greatest hoax of, of all time. Um, when I first heard about the moon landing, uh, not being real, it's probably about 25 or 30 years ago. I didn't entirely dismiss it because I was already seeing the corruption and lies in our government, but I wanted to check it out more and explore deeply before they removed a lot of content on the internet. So I collected videos. I spoke, there's a gentleman, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's from England and he did uh, seminars on this. And we actually corresponded. I spoke to him one time many years ago and got a lot of information that uh, uh, since I can't find, I wanted to uh, bring that into this, but I, I can't find it. But it was a great, interesting conversation and it helped solidify my belief that this never happened. Everything that, I, what I wanted to do with this is just show you proofs. Um, some people may have seen this, other people may not have. And this is just a sampling of thousands of uh, falsehoods. And it's just a few, maybe 20 slides that I have to show the discrepancies and uh, the falsehood of the moon landing and how it's basically impossible that we did it, then can't do it today. Yeah. So the only, there was one problem I had, and this, you'll find this interesting. The only problem, the only thing I couldn't, come up with is if you watch videos of the astronauts on the moon, supposedly on the moon and the lunar rover, you'll see them kicking up dirt. And typically what you see in, on earth is you'll see dust and you'll, because it's uh you know, the, the wind is picking it up. It's uh it's atmospheric and you don't see that on any of the videos. You don't see it on the lunar rover when it's kicking the dirt off. And I had a real problem with that. That was a stumbling block for me. So I dug into that. Um, I dug into that topic, and I found out that it's actually quite easy to uh, quite easy to treat soil so it doesn't cause dust. You can wet it down. You can clean. I was going to say, there's, yeah, yeah. There's black sand in Hawaii. There's lava rock, gravel that's been washed, and there's actually several companies that have been around for a long time that treat dirt. So it doesn't cause any dust at all. And I think, I believe that's what's happened. I, and of course they slow the film down. So it looks like they're in a lesser gravity situation and uh, also it affects the dirt also. So there, there's a lot of tricks to this. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and. Um, Mike, let me, let me, let me yeah, go jump in here just a second. You know, I'm kind of, sure. I, I, when you first said this thing that you, Got in front of the television. That makes you a little older than me that you actually watched it because I was only born months before this. So I, but I remember sitting in front of the old TV, you know, the one where you got like what three or four channels, but they had like 20 something on the, on the little knob that you turned. And uh, usually the television was encased like a piece of furniture, it was encased in wood and stuff like this. And I remember sitting that old, those old cassette recorders. Is that what you had? I had like the five buttons across the front. And you That's sit exactly the... what I had. Yeah, Absolutely. I used to. I used to record television shows like that too. So it was. It kind of brings back a memory there. But it's interesting to me that all of us, uh, you know, Bart, yourself, me, and I'm sure other people who are listening, same kind of thing. We were fascinated by this, and I think probably there were other things that stoked stuff at 
at the time and later, you know, Star Trek was on, you got, um, you know, Twilight Zone stuff, you got, you've had War of the Worlds, you know, years before on radio and all this other stuff. And it kind of puts in our minds these things uh, as though they're, they're a reality. And I think that that helps when they put forth a lie that we're just trusting them for. It mm-hmm. helps it to go down better and helps it to solidify itself in our thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But so you got I, lots I of stuff to today. You got lots of stuff uh, I, I because do. I left most of the stuff in the article that we had for uh, Bart to, to give a chance to talk. And so people can still go there on sonslibertymedia.com, put in Moon Man or Moon Man Bart Sabrell. And you can see I, I added all the video work that he had done, which is it's pretty tremendous. And again, I, you know, I give props to Bart. He's very courageous to go and confront these guys face to face. And, you know, you were talking about depravity of man to see some of these guys. They know they're lying through their teeth and they won't mm-hmm. even blink at you to say, Yes, I walked on the moon. Yes, we went there. Yes, you're crazy. I, all this stuff. I, I say that's very admirable on Bart's part to go and to and to confront those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, it's risky too. Yep. But uh, you know, when you believe in something that much, um, you got to put some of those risks behind you. So um, I, I actually put together a, a little bit of a PowerPoint presentation to show folks that may not be familiar with some of the um, um, falsities of this. And I wanted to uh, share my screen now if I can. And I'm not sure if this is working. We got you on, there you go. All right. Okay. All right, so uh, this is, uh, you know, this is kind of the intro what I did was this is Iceland, and it's just a an image of a site where uh, they could have filmed the moon landing with different lighting and that kind of thing. You know, the interesting thing about this is folks believe that uh, there were thousands of people working on Apollo, and surely they would have known people would have come forth. In truth, there's probably only about 100 people directly involved. Everybody had their little parts that they were working on, the engineers and so forth, but they couldn't see the big picture. There were, there were only a handful of people that really were privy to what was going on. Uh, mission control was in Houston. The launch site was in Florida. So there were very few engineers, mechanics, and uh, um, computer programmers that had jobs that actually mixed with each other, and they couldn't possibly know the truth. So, you know, and people ask why JFK had a promise in the 60s to land a man on the moon and bring him back before the end of the 60s. There was tremendous pressure to succeed, even though it was technologically impossible. Um, in, in I think it's 1963, the best rocket scientists in the world told Linda Johnson it was impossible for at least 30 more years, possibly 50, to even think about landing a person on the moon. And we still don't have that technology today. So they could easily fake the project, look superior to Russia or anyone else, and keep billions of uh, billions of dollars from from us, from taxpayers. So I'm going to go ahead to the next slide here. Um, one of the things that you've got to realize is the moon is constantly being bombarded by mic- micrometeors. 
they travel at speeds of 20,000 miles an hour. So if any astronaut was on the moon, uh, there, there's no way that NASA would ever risk having something happen uh, if they were on the moon. Uh, there, there's a guy named um, Robert Frost. He's the instructor and flight controller in uh, flight operations for NASA. He came up, and what you'll see is for every thing that looks fake, they will come up with something to play it off or to explain it away, but it doesn't make sense. Robert Frost is the NASA director, and he talks about, first of all, he said the moon gets hit by about 2,800 kilograms of meteor material a day. And then what he does is to kind of dismiss that away, he uh, branches it out into musket balls and a, an even spread of these musket balls and how infrequent it really hits the moon and so forth. But he's leaving out a lot of important material that only one side of the moon actually gets hit more than others. Um, and the fact that um, when a meteor, even if it's a tiny musket ball is what he called it, hits the moon, the speed at which it travels has such tremendous energy behind it that it, it leaves an, an enormous crater. Could you imagine one of the astronauts or even the, uh, the uh, module getting hit by one of these little meteors uh, on the moon? It would be disastrous. There's no way that they would have risked this. I, I actually put a picture on here. It uh, comes from the NASA meteoroid, uh, meteoroid Environment Office. It's a fairly new 40-foot diameter impact crater that was formed on the moon between October 25th, 2012 and April 21st, 2013. And the question comes, uh, uh, well, how could they possibly know that? Well, the reason is, is they're monitoring the moon all the time and it wasn't there before. So they know it was a new crater. Uh, the same team that discovered this one observed 47,000 small surface changes caused by small impacts. So, it, I mean, it just, there's no way that they were gonna put anything on the moon that could have even the slightest chance of being impacted. Well, Michael, you know, one of the things is I'm, I'm looking at this, this image that you've got here is you're talking about the money that they got off of this and Bart made a big deal about that too. Millions and billions and trillions over the decades that NASA's gotten stuff. And you're telling me somebody gets paid to just look at the moon and see where craters happen and stuff like this? I mean, to me, that just seems very foolish. Why in the world are we paying somebody for that? What is the purpose of us keeping an eye on the moon to see when it gets its next crater? That just that seems kind of ludicrous to me. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind that. You know, I, I have thoughts of it. Like, uh, they have to, I think they... As uh, map makers and so forth, they always have to uh, um, document changes in our planets, in the moon, and so forth. So it's up to date. And the other thing is, is I'm sure it's kind of a um, precaution to see what's flying around in the atmosphere uh, for if it's any danger to the Earth. So, um, you know, my understanding of meteors is that it's remnants of a comet tail um, debris. And, you know, so if the moon's getting bombarded with these enormous craters, uh, is it possible that a big enough piece could break through our atmosphere? That's the other thing about, you know, the same kind of um, debris that's hitting the moon is hitting our atmosphere, but it burns up 
almost all of it burns up before it hits the ground. So that's there's because of the atmosphere. There's no atmosphere on the moon. So those things are just going to impact at tremendous velocity and power and energy. Well, and, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is uh, it seems that when you get away from a biblical worldview where you have a creator who lovingly has, you know, for lack of a better term, made the earth the apple of his eyes, put uh, men who were made in his image here, he has granted to them to take dominion over over this earth, that somehow men are preoccupied with these kind of things. What are they going to do? Are, are they going to do what we see in movies? They're going to try the, the nuclear bomb kind of reaction to, to something coming through the atmosphere? Or, and I, I think this, this does get to a spiritual issue to where are we trusting God in these measures? Or are we doing something else and using it against, you know, you end up using it against the people? That, that's kind of my thought of, of what I see them doing. That, that's a good point. I also believe that they are looking for excuses to dismiss God away. Yep. Uh, you know, so they, they that's why there's this enormous search. And, and who knows how much of it is real when they talk about exploring Mars. Did we really land something on Mars? Uh, that kind of thing. Um, but I think they're, they're trying to find reasons to not believe in a supreme creator. So that could be part of it as, as well. Okay. So, um, okay. The next thing that, now this is something that was really interesting to me. This is, this is a lot of research I did on my own. Um, you'll see on here, this is a design of a, uh, a modern sports parachute. I actually have done skydiving. I've done it three times. Um, when you look at the modern, uh, parachutes today and the light material and so forth, you're still you've still got a package that you're wearing. It's probably about this big. And that's, that has about a 300 pound capacity or a 300 pound load. Now you're talking about the, um, the space capsule when it's landing in the supposedly landing in the ocean, they've got three enormous parachutes and these parachutes, this, these were probably fashioned after world war II parachutes a lot of material and tons and tons of line. Um, and and the, it, what I didn't mention was that the, <clears throat> excuse me, the space capsule is weighs about 13,000 pounds. So you're talking about the difference between a round World War II parachute enough to slow down one man to slowing down a 13,000 pound capsule. Can you imagine the amount of material You've seen the pictures. Uh, let me bring that up. Okay, you've seen the pictures of the capsule splashing down. My personal belief is that there was nobody in the capsule, that it was just an empty hull. They had these parachutes down, a little film trickery. They go to uh, a model in the ocean with men coming out of it. It's not the same thing. And the reason I say this is I'm going to bring up a schematic here. <clears throat> Uh, here it is. Okay. So you saw how big the parachutes were. You saw how many lines were connected to it. That's an enormous amount of material. This is a schematic of, of the command module, right? This is the capsule that they land in. And what you'll see is the, the astronauts going from the, uh, I guess it's the, uh, LEM, uh, whatever the capsule is where they, they crawl down, they go through this docking tunnel here. Now, this is supposedly where all the parachute equipment is or was. 
there's absolutely no way. First of all, I don't think they could even fit the parachutes that they used inside the entire capsule, let alone have rocks and men and all these kinds of things. There's no way that three men could fit down through this with that parachute material in here to be able to get inside the capsule. It's just physically impossible. So that was something that I, I found these great schematics. And if you go down, um, there's some really detailed schematics of where the engines were. I'm sorry for uh, scroll taking this so long, but they have really detailed schematics of what was involved in the capsule. They've got engines on there, fuel compartments and everything. And you're talking about a 12 foot by 11 foot capsule. There's, there's no way that they could have enough uh, power to slow down, to, to shift, to yaw and pitch the uh, capsule as it's coming in the land or going through the atmosphere. It's just impossible. So it's a, it's just an enormous hoax. Do they have anywhere on there, Michael, where they show, I mean, I see earth landing equipment. Is that what they're calling the parachutes? I think so. Yeah. So they, yeah, that's they, not even, I mean, it looks like the space that they have for that is what about the size of your chest, maybe. Yeah. And they've got three big old parachutes coming out of there. Right. Right. There, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. I, I actually, I have a lot more material. It would, it's a total of 21,600 feet of parachute fabric. Do you think they could compact that into about Yeah, that's space? great. No, that, they're not doing there's, that. There's no way. There's no way. So I was really curious about these are things that just came up. Um, and I, I was really curious to do an investigation, and that's what I found. So you think so, they may yeah. have taken one of their planes over, dropped off this much less weighty uh, decoy, if you will, with the parachutes, let it land, and they changed the the filming to something else uh to, to... and we didn't even talk about this Tim. okay that's exactly what i think happened okay no uh, yeah I'm, I'm just asking if that's probably what you think if they use a decoy because as bart was saying you know the other day that uh, they didn't show any live footage everything was portrayed as though it was live but it really wasn't live exactly yeah i i absolutely believe that's what happened and uh based on all the physics and the uh, statistics, amount of material and everything, I believe that was the case. Uh, it's impossible. There's no way that those, uh, they could have fit those parachutes in there. And even if they could, they wouldn't deploy properly. It, it's just, it's ludicrous. So then the next thing was the boot print. Uh, below left here, you see um, the photo of, uh, uh, this is the um, boot that Neil Armstrong wore on the moon. But look at the uh, the tread. Wow! You see the difference? Oh yeah! This is flat, and this is the the um, this is the tread print that they actually photographed of his first steps on the moon. So uh, NASA's response was that they claimed the boots worn on the moon were jettisoned before the uh, LEM took off the lunar surface. Why, why would they do that? Yeah, that's just uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense, uh, sense at all. So uh, just a note about um, Neil Armstrong. Um, he lived most of his post-walk life as a recluse, granting only one interview in all the years he was alive. Um, he had a lot of photos of his test pilot days 
And he had, but he had none in his home. I don't know if you talked about this with Bart, but he had no photographs of any of his Apollo mission or his Apollo mission in his home. It's uh, yeah, that's bizarre. No, no, no astronaut really that walked on the moon discusses their experience in detail. And I think NASA was afraid that they would let something slip. So you don't, you just don't get that kind of information from them. They were very secretive about the entire thing. So it kind of makes you think. Yep. Yep. That's interesting. And then this is a picture of the uh, Rover uh, on the moon and it's not a real good resolution photo, but if you look closely, you'll see where the the, uh, Rover was just dropped down probably from a crane and you don't see any footprints around at all (laughs) so how did it get there yeah that's interesting you know i i brought that up to bart and i told him i said well where did they stick this lunar module i had never even so when we were done with the show i went in and looked and sure enough they had a little place um on the side of the of the module um in fact this is this I, i was looking at a couple of videos and some other things but basically this puppy just folded up, and it was on this, I don't know, it was like a pallet or something, and it they attached it on the side, like right here, it was, which I'm still trying to figure out. If you're attaching on the side, you're doing all this, it just some of it is so ridiculous. And then, of course, this model here is the one that looks like it's made out of paper mache right. uh, that you see the image here. It looks like it's cardboard or sheetrock or something, and the guys didn't even fill it up. And I tell you, when you start bringing into the issues that a lot of people just seeing stuff wouldn't think about, like the air conditioning and where you drawing your power supply from and things of that nature. I, I go into all that. It's crazy. It's Dude, really crazy. Well, this is speaking of the rover. This is a picture. I, I was going to get to that later, but uh, we'll do it now. This is a picture. Two of the pictures. This is a picture that was taken from the command module. And uh, uh, before the um, the uh, LEM was actually landing on the moon, and you see R1 is where the rover was stored. This is the exact same uh, view angle uh, when the LEM was on the moon, and it's not there, and it's on the other side. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So let me go back here just then. I'll try to get through these. Well, I know in one of them they said they, they couldn't get it off of there, and the astronauts had to use their body, their muscles to pull it apart or something because some little thing didn't detach so they could get it apart. But but that thing actually folds up. That was that was right. kind of interesting to me how they did that. Yeah, it was clever how they did that, how they uh, arranged it. But these photos, uh, the authentic photos all were coded too. They had certain coding on there. Um, so, uh, you're, you know, these pictures are authentic pictures, obviously they, they can be faked if they want to be, but these were from, uh, years and years ago when they were available. So, uh, one of the other things that we looked at was landscaping. Uh, there's a picture of, uh, Buzz Aldrin here, uh, taken in, uh, Hawaii in 1969. And if you look at the mountains behind him right there. Can you see my cursor okay, Tim? Yep. Can you do this? Yep. Okay. Um, if you look at the mountains behind him, you'll see it looks like the same mountains in some of the photos. So this is just one, and it, they actually mentioned that these actually look like film production uh, vehicles in the background 
like they were getting ready to do uh, some filming, um, you know, for this. But these are the same kind of structures. And uh, it's interesting. I didn't mention it. I don't have it in my notes, but I saw it elsewhere. They have this exact same moonscape in another moon landing and it's supposedly a completely different area of the moon and it looks exactly the same. So That's they use incredible. the same backdrop, same set. Yeah. This is uh this is another one I found fascinating. Um, if you look, this is where the United States emblem was attached to the limb. Mm-hmm. And you can see, if you look close, it's put on with scotch tape. Look at that. <laughs> mm. So, Yeah. Boy, that was some expensive tape, I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely it was. Like it would stay on, you know. Um, so the, the tracks, uh, while it was still packaged, uh, there are actually rover tracks. This, this is a, a poor image, but if you look closely, you can see it right here. You can see it right here. The rover is still attached, supposedly, to the module, but yet you have rover tracks all around. Well, now, which which Apollo mission is this one? Uh, let me see if I have that. I think it's uh, not 15. Apollo 17. Well, now, wouldn't they have had... Did they all land in the same place? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no. Just, okay. No, every single mission landed in a completely Complete? different area okay. of the moon. Okay. None of them uh, landed in the same place. Or at not least that's their claim, right? <laughs> Right, right. And they wanted to do uh, exploration of different parts of the moon, supposedly. Um, yeah. Well, let me let me bring in one thing, and I'll, I'll let you get back to that. Um, yeah. th- th- this leads to, if they deceived us once, do we not think they would do it again? And we talked, uh, you, you made mention of Mars. I don't know if you saw this. Somebody put together this little video. Hopefully it won't be making the noise that it's supposed to, that it usually does. But uh, check this out. Now, this is what they've done. Uh, with the quote-unquote little rover there that they allegedly landed on Mars. Check this out. And what we see is they scroll in up here in Canada. And I went and looked it up, uh, and sure enough, it looks just like the quote-unquote little base that they got there that they're doing on Mars, right? And Uh then the landscapes are the same, too. See, they just tint it a little bit red. And you you get this kind of deal, and this is how it's how it's laid out, okay? And then they show you what they're what they shot on Earth and how they're producing it as Mars. Mm-hmm. Same same kind of stuff, and it's like, well, if we just let you guys get away with this stuff, you know, on the moon landing, yeah, you're gonna be telling us you're landing on Mars, you're landing on you know wherever. Uh, and we're just supposed to believe you because we see it on television. Uh, it's kind of like the thing of, well, if you saw it on the internet, it must be true, right? They can make anything up. Yeah. And they can, yeah. And uh, a lot of people will believe it, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 So um, the next photos are, th- this was uh, something that I just found really funny. Again, it's a kind of a, a low quality picture. But uh, from Apollo 15, uh, this is back in the 60s and 70s on movie sets, the crew would take a Polaroid of the set to try and frame it correctly before they started shooting the film. They did the same thing here. uh, And if you look at the legs of the um, lunar module, you'll actually see Polaroids. I don't know if you can see that clearly or not, but they have Polaroid images that are sitting on the foot pads 
of the limb. Huh. And so I, I actually wanted to see, I wanted to look up, um, I'm getting a little ahead of me, uh, ahead of myself now, but there's, there's no record, as far as I know, of using a Polaroid camera outside on the moon. I couldn't find if a Polaroid film actually needs air to develop. I know that people shake the film, they wave it in the air. That doesn't do anything. I did find that out. You don't need to do that. But I did find out that Polaroid film is very, very sensitive to heat and cold. Uh, it has to be developed between temperatures of 55 and 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Temperatures on the moon were nowhere near that range. They were like, I don't know, 200 to 400 degrees, I think. Yep. So the film would have been destroyed immediately after taking it if it didn't freeze in the camera. So there's no way that Polaroids could have been sitting on the Yeah, because Polaroids are, are basically a chemical reaction, aren't they? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So an, another interesting fact for people that are watching and listening right now, I, I hope uh, they're seeing that a lot of these things just couldn't have happened on the moon. Uh, and this is uh, also just more of those pictures. They go uh, a little bit closer in detail um, and show some of the uh, differences between the photos and the foil. Okay, and we already went over this. Um, just want to make sure I'm on the right. Okay. Yeah, and we'll see Here. if we can get you to send us the, the PowerPoint so people can go through it themselves, too. Absolutely, yeah. So this is uh, these are photographs of some of the uh, moonscapes. And what you'll see is if you look at the very, very top, you can actually see lighting, studio lighting at the very camera lighting at the very, very top. Those are not artifacts. Those are they didn't frame the picture right. So you can actually see some of the lights coming down. And it was it was proven. A lot of professional photographers looked at the pictures and they said the way the shadowing was and so forth, it was absolutely impossible that it was caused by the sun. It had to be caused by backlighting, um, studio lighting and so forth. So this is just one example of that. And again, I found a, I had a really poor picture. I went online and I found a, a really good uh, high resolution photo of the rover where again there are no tracks. So you know but there's I mean, a lot they, of those footprints, it looks like those, yeah, those a lot fake of footprints, footprints around it. After they lowered <laughs> the uh by crane, they lowered it. And and by the way, uh I don't know if you've seen the video where this is supposedly a Willis Jeep. That's what they used for the rover. Huh. So, yeah, you can look online and just look up uh, Lunar Rover Willie's Jeep, and you'll see that it's almost identical. You can overlap the two. So, uh, supposedly, the Lunar Rover costs $35 million, and all it was was a, a Jeep frame. Well, what is, what's going on with the tire there? One, it looks like the little, uh, they've got duct tape holding the, uh, the fender together, and then it looks like oh, something's in the tire. Here. What it, is in the tire there? It does look like that. What's that thing right. in the tire, in the side, the top of the tire? Or is that just something hanging off the fender? I, I don't know. Huh. It's interesting. I'll have to find that out. One of the, the other thing that's really interesting about this is supposedly the batteries that were used on the rover, 
they were rated. I, I looked up these schematics too, these blueprints and so forth for the rover. And I found that the batteries that they used on the rover had, were rated for a maximum temperature of, I think it was about 225 degrees. So yet the temperature on the moon would reach and an ex, an exceed 400 degrees. So there's no way that the batteries could have functioned properly in the rover. Those guys would have been on fire, wouldn't they? It had just been a fire in a can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is, uh, this is uh, just something I found where uh, Buzz Aldrin's suits keep changing in the pictures. If you look closely, uh, and I'll send the PowerPoint out so people can look at this in detail. Just one that's real obvious is right here, you'll see a black armband on here. And these were taken, you know, the same day and supposedly the same day. Obviously, they were different suits, different days, different photographic sessions. And, uh, you know, the black band is missing there. If you look closely, a lot of the things around the neck are different. The boots are different. And you can see right here, white gloves, antenna, no wrist strap, high boots, dark gray gloves, no antenna, no wrist stripe, high boots. You know, so they, they go through the differences of um, of the suit. So, you know, I call it the ever-changing suit. Yeah, that's crazy. And this, this is a classic one. You've probably seen this, this one. A lot of people have. Uh, somebody taking a picture of, uh, let's see, I think it was, yeah, this, this photo is Pete Conrad from Apollo 12. And, you know, it's him. There's supposed to be one other astronaut, but yet you see two. So there are three astronauts in this photograph. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, have you seen these before? Have I think seen I've any? seen that photo before, but I didn't know the background behind it. Okay. And then uh, I just I just threw some pictures up here. Uh, I, I have some uh, information about this. Um, space doesn't heat. Uh, it, I'm sorry. It doesn't cool heated objects. It has to be removed from direct sunlight. Shadows help cool, uh, not because of space, which is uh, not cold. Hot and cold do not exist in the vacuum of space. They always call it the cold of space, and that doesn't happen. Space is a perfect insulator, and objects take a very long time to cool, uh, even when they're removed from sources of heat, uh, radiated or otherwise. So NASA insists that the spacesuits they wore were air conditioned. And, and you were talking a little bit about that before. An air conditioner can't and will not work without a heat exchanger, and it can't work in a vacuum. So a spacesuit surrounded by a vacuum cannot transfer heat from the inside of the suit to any other place. A, a man would roast in his suit. They, they also claimed, and I remember this from a long time ago, they showed the inside of the spacesuit that had a water circulating system in there. They claim that's how it was cooled. But the amount of water that they would have to carry to cool the suit yeah, was enormous. The, the spacecraft wouldn't have even been able to lift off the ground with the amount of water that they, they had to use to, um, uh, to, to carry to cool the suits. So another impossibility, you know, physics-wise. Yeah, and by the way, there's no, there's no solar panels on that thing, so they're not getting any power from the sun. Um, so, and everybody knows how, how long can you, can you drive your car, Michael, uh, with, when the alternator goes out and it's running on the battery, what, 15 exactly. minutes, maybe top, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. They, they would have run out of power within a few hours. So, yeah. 
and they didn't have the solar capabilities. If they did, they didn't use. Them. I think you know. I think they use them in small degrees, but to power something like that with all the life support systems on there, there's no way they could have done that. The other thing was the the uh, size of the suit. Look how big the suit is and the equipment on there, and then the hatch that they came through on the lamb was tiny. They couldn't have fit through it. <laughs> yep, yep. I see it. I see it. Well, listen, we got about ten minutes here. Uh, do you okay. want to finish up some things, or do we want to speak about uh, the uh, what you're doing with uh, with yeah, the product? Yeah, let me uh, let me just mention one more thing. Sure. In 1959, they discovered what's called uh, the Van Allen radiation belts. These are radi- high radiation belts that surround the the uh, Earth, and they uh, uh, I have a lot of information on it. It's in the PowerPoint facts and everything. But basically, man could not survive a trip to the moon going through these belts they would die very quickly afterwards. So that was discovered. It's, it's a, uh, it's a truth and um, they can look at the PowerPoint for more information on that. So that's this, these are just some of the things out of many, many, many. So, um, and I, I want to uh, thank you for allowing me time to just talking about uh, something that we spoke about, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I'd like to remind people that, even though we're being purposely distracted right now by Russia, Ukraine, uh, the powers that be, I don't think are done scheming and trying to injure and decimate the population using the biochemical injections. If you look at this uh, sheet here, you'll see the European data and the United States data. This is as of March 15th and this is a March 11th. Uh, They are not really focusing on this right now. And of course you'll never hear it in the news, and these numbers are probably five to 10 times greater because not everything is reported. So you've got 41,834 dead, according to the European Medicines Agency, and almost 4 million injuries. And then if you come down here, you'll see 25,641 reported deaths. These are from the vaccines, by the way, and all the injuries that took place here, urgent care, uh, doctor office visits, hospitalizations, and so forth. So there, this is still going on. It's increasing. Tim, when you and I were talking, I personally know uh, quite a few people who died or got very, very sick shortly after the vaccines. We've lost a lot of neighbors, a lot of friends, and I am positive it was because of the injections. So they they contain toxic materials. They contain heavy metals. They contain graphene oxide. And symptoms may not occur immediately, maybe not for hours, days, months, even years. We don't know what the long-term effects are. So it is absolutely vital that we detox. That's what we talked about. Uh, I took part in creating a detox cream. It's EDTA. It's a topical cream that you put on your, your arms, your legs. And what it does is it actually helps to remove graphene oxide, heavy metals, and other chemicals from the body uh, safely and effectively. So um, that, that we went over that in detail. We got quite a, a response. And actually, we are conducting a survey um, and we want people to uh, help us out. We need data. And we're about to conduct a three-month study using our specially formulated cream. Uh, just if you order three jars or pumps of Soma Health EDTA detox cream, use it as directed. When you order, you get a coupon code for 25% off the retail price. It's Dr. Mike. 
D-R-M-I-K-E. You put that in there, go to the Soma Health site, somahealth.net. And uh, what you'll do is you will get an initial survey form where it will ask you what your symptoms are uh, at their worst shortly after the vaccine or what they are now. Then you'll get one at 45 days. Then you'll get another one at 90 days. If you take part in this, at the end, you will, there will be another discount for any remaining jars or any further uh, cream that you'd like to get. Um, again, we don't know what's going to happen with the global 5G rollout, but we do know that graphene oxide uh, resonates at the same frequency of 5G. So we're expecting that we're going to see five to 10 more times the amount of deaths and uh, vaccine injuries. So it is vital. Uh, this has never happened before. So we absolutely have to be proactive continuously to remove these toxins from our body. So I appreciate you letting me uh, share that with people. We need to, people need to know that there's something they can do. A lot of the detox protocols out there do not include something that is very, very effective. And that's this EDTA cream. Yeah. And one of the things and people may say, OK, boy, you guys just switch gears there real quick. But it's the same government that was lying about the lunar module that has been lying to the people about the convids. They've been lying to the people about the vaccines, that they're safe and effective. It's the same government that's been lying about uh, social distancing working, masking working. Um, and, and a lot I think in a lot of re- of the realm of health itself and health care, they've just been they've been lying. They've been lying about it. And so people say, well, the government isn't in charge of that. Look, every time there is a licensing of a doctor, a licensing of a, nursing, of a nurse, where does that actually come through? Well, it eventually comes through the state. Ultimately, that's where it's held to. That's where the standard is held to. Absolutely. And, and we never gave the state authority to be involved in health care. We never did. No, None of our constitutions have it. I know there's some, I think. Michigan, I think we had Catherine Henry on. She made mention of something about health. Maybe not. I know she was talking about something about schools. And that's something, obviously, that we got from Lincoln and his boys who came after him pushing public education on. But when it comes to to health and stuff, these are the same people that we're talking about this whole hour who lied about the moon landing, who are lying about what they're injecting your body with and telling you it's safe and effective and it's good for you. And, you know, who knows, Michael, if if – what they're even saying about the convids is real. I, I'm still of the opinion that 5G is probably what the result is. It's a rollout of new technology, and we've seen this over the course of several of these generations of technology has been rolled out, where people develop different kinds of flus, if you will. That's I mean that's what they're calling them, but different mm-hmm. kinds of flus uh, from from this uh, and this one's millimeter wave. So it's a pretty serious thing. Yeah, that was a perfect tie-in because, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning, the government is self-serving. And anything that they can do to boost their revenue, their power, their control, they're going to do. Fooling the public is one, whether it's a moon landing or, uh, you know, vaccines and so forth. It's all part of the same plan. It's been going on for decades, even maybe even hundreds of years or thousands of years, you know. So that was a perfect tie-in. And that's a, I also, the fact, the reason I bring this up is because of what's currently going on with the jabs and with the symptoms and the fact that we're being a little bit distracted from something like this that is so vital and important and people need to know about it. They need to take care of themselves. They need to detox. It's only getting worse. 
the um, chemicals that they're spraying, that they're raining down on us from above are increasing. Uh, people are getting sicker. Uh, they're dying. We, we're personally seeing it amongst our own uh, crowd and friends and family and so forth. So yeah, this is something that uh, we're probably going to mention quite a bit, uh, even in future discussions. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because when all of this started more than two years ago, hardly anybody that knew anybody knew anybody that had COVID. I mean, you just couldn't find people even. Now you've got people left and right who are getting sick, who are being injured, who are dying after they've taken these shots, whether it was on the first one, the second one, the third, a booster, whatever the case may be. They seem to be healthy people, and now, like what you're saying, we're starting to see people in our family, in our community, our sphere of influence, whatever the case may be. We're we're seeing them getting sick. We're seeing them dying, um, and it's it's becoming more and more prevalent that we're seeing people die after they've had that. Then, and and they never say, "Hey, we had the convids or anything like that." So it's it really is kind of fascinating that that's taking place. Uh, we got about a minute and a half here, Mike. You want to uh, tell people a little bit about your website and maybe a little bit more about your your product here that you're you're going to be uh, doing your sure. survey with. Uh, um, like I said, I'm the I'm the founder of this product, but recently I've kind of handed off the uh, the uh, fulfillment uh, to someone else. And but the website is the same. Uh, the products are still fantastic. Uh, so you can just go to somahealth.net and go ahead and uh, use the coupon code Dr. Mike to get 30% off and use it as directed. Um, this is a really important survey. Something I didn't mention is there's a uh, doctor that I've been in touch with who has a uh, foundation and they are working with over 12,000 people who had adverse events after they were uh, jabbed. And we need to get some preliminary data so we can send it to her. And then she's going to forward it to this group so we can collect even more data to show people how effective this particular detox treatment is. So it's very important that we get people uh, right now to take part in this. It's a very, very safe product. Uh, we've had no reports of any side effects at all, and it's very, very effective. So I think it would benefit regardless of whether you had a vaccination, you were transmitted, or you're just worried about heavy metals or toxins. This is a product that you can use um, for all these things and for better health. It actually helps to reduce placking in arteries for cardiovascular incidents. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, Mike, we appreciate you joining us again. Thank you for the information and for coming back on the show. And I think we're going to be talking to Dr. Mike about coming on maybe twice a month. We're going to see how things go with that. But uh, we appreciate you very much. Guys, check out Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and we'll be back with you in the morning at 6 a.m. Lord willing, see you then. <laughs> 